This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, we've got an amazing show today. It's a good one. Yeah, Daniel Alexiak from Abundant Housing Vancouver. Hey, he's the, one of the founding members as he well, is, right? He's a founding member, yeah. Along, him and Adrian Crook, past guest. Past guest. Oh, I, I really enjoyed the interview with Adrian. I, we had a great interview today with Daniel, so I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, I'm hyped. And uh, if you live in Vancouver, this is a... This is a wealth of information. Yeah, these guys are really pressuring the city towards pro-densification. And, you know, they're talking to people all across North America about this issue. And uh, Exciting times. It is an exciting time, and I, I really feel like there's, uh, there's changes coming. Yeah, and some huge takeaways. But, Matt, what have you been up to otherwise? I haven't seen otherwise, you Otherwise, yeah, well, I've been listening to S-Town. What's S-Town? Is that a new uh, boy band? I thought you <laughs> S Town Seven, uh, what's the? Yeah, it's new uh, out of London. The yeah, oldest yeah. one's nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't believe you haven't heard of S Town. Yeah, it's a, for any podcast listener out there. If you're not listening to S Town, you gotta listen to S Town. John B. Macklemore, uh, Southern U.S. sort of whodunit story from. So this it's American like a life. true crime podcast. True, like everything else these days. True I, crime. I wasted a lot of time before in that somebody knows something, and it turns yeah. out nobody knew anything. <laughs> The thing, okay, so here's, I've been making this the case here to Braden. 
Somebody Knows Something, uh, Missing Richard Simmons, these, these have poisoned the well for true crime because what they've done is they're letting you follow them along while they try and find something out. And, and hopefully something comes and, out And in nothing wash, ever right? happens. It's like they right. conclude that the, uh, nobody knows anything. And okay. Yeah, sorry for wasting 18 hours of your life. Sure. Uh, these guys had the answers before they started. Wow. So it is the story kind of meanders through to a very compelling end. You know, thinking about this, we need to, if we're going to stay current and relevant in the podcast landscape, I think we need to have a whodunit Ev- element. Everybody's going true crime. This has got to be true crime real estate. We've really, we've really, we've really, we've really <laughs> missed our calling We here. might be in the right city. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Well, hey, without further ado, why don't we cut to our interview with Daniel Alexiak? Yeah, it's a good one. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. Hello, this is Daniel here. Hey, Daniel, it's Adam and Matt Colin. How are you doing? Hey, Daniel. I'm, I'm doing great today. It is a, it's one of the first beautiful days of the year. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> and it's going to start raining again tomorrow, so enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we're just actually, we're, we're live on Union, the bike route here, and it's like you can't walk across that street. It's just a flood of bikes. So. That sounds awesome, yeah. <laughs> it's working, Gregor. It's working. <laughs> um, so uh, can you just start maybe by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I grew up in Vancouver, and I, I live in Mount Pleasant um, again, I guess I would say. I also spent part of my time growing up in Vancouver, um, and I guess because it's a real estate show, I should say, you know, I grew up in a single-family home near Clark and 11th. My parents bought it for uh, under $200,000. Wow. Which, you know, it was, a, it was a, I'm not, and I'm not even that old. Um, you know, it was a very different city back then, though, and I'm just kind of shell-shocked by the idea of, living my whole life in, in debt, working to, to pay someone else to just, just for the right to stay in the city I started off in. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, just, uh, one of the, one of the many renters who's kind of worried about what's, what's happening. So just to be clear, Daniel, you grew up in Vancouver and then you went away for school or like how long you've been back? I came back in 2014. Um, I went away from mo- most of, um, 2008 to 2014. Oh, right. Wow. And, uh, and how did you get involved with uh, Abundant Housing Vancouver? How, how did you decide to help found Abundant Housing Vancouver? Well, I've, I've been interested in, in urban issues for a long time. I did ur- urban geography at, at UBC for my undergrad, but finished that about 10 years ago now, I guess. And, and so, you know, I've been interested, interested in cities for a long time. And as, as this has just kind of accelerated, I guess I've become more interested as, as a lot of us have and eventually start going to zoning hearings, uh, rezoning hearings at the city of Vancouver and, and seeing people again and again, get up to just oppose new housing, um, which, which as someone who doesn't own land sounds like, a, and has had to look for a lot of rental apartments, just sounds, sounds like a crazy thing to do, but a lot of people were doing it. So um, me and a couple of other people organized ourselves to, to go to a public hearing and support some rental housing one day. And then, we decided it was fun and we would do it again and, and encourage other people to join us. Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit more about Abundant Housing Vancouver? Like what is, what's the mission statement, I guess, and, and what exactly are you guys up to? Our mission is to organize people to talk to the public officials, to city staff, to to 
city politicians, to city candidates, to support more housing in the city of Vancouver especially, but also in the region. And, you know, it comes out of the realization that low-density housing is the real luxury housing. And a lot of people are opposing higher-density housing as, as, as luxury, which just, you know, doesn't make any sense because low-density housing costs more. Um, a condo is cheaper than a single-family house and even than, than most duplexes or, or townhomes. So the idea that high-density housing is more expensive just, just flies in the face of fact. And um, so we're trying to get people together to support more of it. Right on. Just out of curiosity, is the do you see this almost as a generational divide? Is is abundant housing Vancouver largely kind of millennials or or kind of the under forty set? It it yeah it it is largely, but um you know that's not that's it happens to be where the fault line often lies, but right. but not where it inherently lies. Like really, it's about people who got into the market and did and almost definitionally younger people won't have, but there's a lot of older people who who, who also didn't and. And, you know, there's also homeowners who are in the market um, who, who are benefiting from, from rising land prices, who, who are members of our group, uh, who, who are active supporters of our group or, or, or less active supporters because, you know, a lot of people just have a broader perspective about what they want the city to be. So it's not just young people sure. and it's not just renters, but, but yes, it, it, does, it does tend to skew that way. Excellent. So, Daniel, can you outline the city's current character home retention policy? Um, I'll do. I'll do my best. You know, it's very much in flux. Um, I can. I can speak to what they proposed, and um, I'd say the pushback from us and, and from other groups has led, in part, to this larger kind of rethink of single-family zoning, which is maybe really encouraging. But what, what they came out with that led to some of this was this character home rezoning policy, that actually downzoned huge parts of the city, West Point Gray and and Southlands and Dunbar and also parts of, of, of Riley Park and up in the northeast by Wall Street. Um, they took some areas that had a lot of older homes and they were responding to this 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 concern that the older homes were being torn down and replaced by really large single family homes, which I don't think very many people want to see. We, we don't really like to see that. But their solution was was probably even worse, which was to say, especially in these um, these really expensive West Side neighborhood, they're saying if you tear down a house, you can only build even less. And with land prices being what they are, that just ends up being really exclusionary. And that's planning for homes that cost $3 million and, and, and more, which is planning for homes for almost nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we made a bit of a stink about it. And we said, you know, why, if you're going to look at, at rezoning this huge area, why don't you think about apartment buildings? Why don't you think about housing that makes sense for the vast majority of income earners? Um, and um, I hope they listen. They seem to have stepped back from the down zoning and, um, we're we're still waiting to see what they come out with, and so we're still trying to put pressure on them to 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 create more housing in, in these low density West Side neighborhoods. So, Daniel, do you think there is is value in retaining heritage or character homes? Like, what is there is there a happy medium here? I do, yeah, absolutely. That's that, that's a really good point. I think you know we don't want to, the, the policy was called the character home rezoning policy, which makes it really hard to oppose it makes it sound like yeah. you oppose character which which of course we don't um <laughs> don't turn um, we, oppose, house. We, we oppose down zoning and zoning for the very rich um where you can keep beautiful old homes and look my first house in vancouver was a beautiful hundred year old home and um i spent a, a summer doing residential contracting on the west side so i've seen the inside of these houses too and then there really are a lot of them beautiful old homes um so 
sometimes what will make sense is just to keep the home and build it. You can, on these large lots, and a lot most of them are large, you can easily build a second home. Um, it's like a, lane, a laneway home is a small step in that direction. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's space on the land to keep the current home in a lot of cases and just, just add to it or, or, um, or build a second home. And there's many examples, most of them pre-zoning of people doing things like that. So, so yeah, you don't have to tear them down and, and um, we should have a policy to, to save a lot of them. So you're, you're suggesting then, if I understand correctly, more of a push towards light density in these areas. In, in some cases, yeah. I mean, um, in some cases, you know, you can double the density of, of a lot of the city by just building not laneway cottages, but laneway homes. Right. Okay. And and I think that, that is one part of the solution. And of course, apartments are part of the solution. And, and, and in some places, towers are part of the solution. So kind of switching gears uh, towards more incentives for developers and builders and for homeowners, what sort of incentives are needed um, to encourage affordable housing development? Oh, so many. I mean, but our, our group's big thing is actually that that um, partly we just have to get out of the way. Um, a, a lot of a lot of the reason that we get really expensive housing is because that's all that's allowed. And, and it's again, it's this point that higher density housing, rental apartments, even condos, are less expensive, significantly less expensive. Than, um, than single-family homes. And if you take it to the extreme, there's there's areas, Belmont Avenue and Drummond Drive, uh, just above the Spanish Banks Bluffs um, and in Point Grey, where homes, every home on the street goes for $10 million up to $50 million, and it's zoned only for that. So, I mean, what kind of incentives could you give to build affordable rental housing on, on that land? I mean, it just seems like the wrong question. First of all, allow apartments, and then and then we can talk about how to, how to make those more affordable with with, with other policies. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver's long had a an affordable housing crisis, um, and it seems what you're suggesting here is is the city is largely in the way of of making Vancouver more affordable. Why do you think their policy has been so misguided? Well, I've been to again. You go, you go to public hearings, and, and you see why city councilors. Um, of, of, of all parties, of all political ideologies, I, I do admire their patience. You know, they sit there and they and they listen to the public and the public comes in and says whatever they do. And, and a lot of the public for, for many years has mostly been saying, don't build new housing. Don't build new housing near me. It, it, will, it will take my parking. It will create traffic. It will bring renters into my neighborhood. And, and some people don't want renters in their neighborhood. You need to be honest that, that that's part of what this is as well and part of what it's always been. And city council has largely responded to that. And that's why on 80% of our residential land, it's, it's illegal to build apartments. Um, so it's, it's just democracy um, for better or for worse um, or, or, or city council responding to what they think voters want. So keeping in that line, how should the city address the, these concerns on the, on the NIMBY side? Um, Not in my backyard, right? Yeah. The, 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 the NIMBY the NIMBY concerns about parking and then traffic and whatnot, right? Um, right. I mean, yeah, and just the the kind of I think there's a fear that the character of the neighborhood is going to change quite quickly with the increased density and and all all of that. Do you guys see that those as serious concerns or? I think that you know the the kind of integrity of a neighborhood is a really important thing, and I think that the quadrupling of of single family home prices in Vancouver in eleven years 
is about as drastic a change to the character of any neighborhood that, that I can really think of. Yeah, good, good point. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the idea that the neighborhood hasn't changed, like where people, a lot, a lot of that time, that's just to disguise the fact that people want the buildings to look the same, and that's the most important thing to them. But the idea that we haven't had neighborhood change, or that we even can avoid neighborhood change, is um, just not going to work. I mean, things change. The world changes around us. We need, we need to move with it. Um, in terms of the concerns about parking um, or traffic, I mean, I'd say that the response, the solution to traffic is actually yimbyism. That you solve traffic in part with denser, more walkable neighborhoods. You you solve traffic by creating by getting people out of their cars. You don't you don't solve it by moving people to somewhere else. You don't solve it by creating more sprawl. Um, the NIMBY solution is actually to have people live farther out, to need more bridges, more highways, and to have people travel farther, and that creates more traffic. The solution to traffic is to build more central housing and, and actually have people not have to travel so far. Right. No, that's, that makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah, no, good point. So thinking about the city of Vancouver, and I know you've lived elsewhere, are we unique in our resistance to change? Vancouver is, is if at all unique, actually, and this is maybe not very hopeful, unique in that we've moved farther away from a single family house than almost any other North American city. So actually, most North American cities are are, are more resistant to denser building than, than Vancouver is. Um, we're actually something of a leader in North America. So um, for whatever reason that might be, it's, it's a really good thing. We can do way better. But um, no, this is a problem all across North America, certainly, where established homeowners want to protect their property values. They they don't want more people in their neighborhood. They don't want more people in their community centers. And they their solution to that is just to pull up the ladder behind them and say everyone else out. And I think we're seeing that across North America right now, in, especially in popular urban centers with just rents going through the roof. We're not building enough housing in these places. And, um, you know, incumbent homeowners are, are fighting a lot of the, the new housing. And, and so, no, this is this is not a Vancouver problem. It's, it's a whole West Coast problem um, and, and, uh, and generally a North American urban problem. So, Daniel, do you see Abundant Housing Vancouver as part of a larger movement? I, I know there's been speakers that have come to Vancouver recently to ad- address density. Are you in touch with other groups that have a similar mission? Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of what I like about it is this is uh, this is a broader movement. And, you know, we took our name from Abundant Housing LA. We took their name, I understand, from Abundant Housing Austin. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking to each other and, and learning from each other. And, um, you know, the, the issues really are similar in, in, in a lot of these cities because, you know, North American cities have a lot in common. And sure. a lot of them were built post-war for a kind of like auto-centric low density homeowner model. And, and I don't think that's what a lot of people want anymore. They want denser neighborhoods. People travel to Europe and they love it. People mm-hmm. travel to Asia and they love it. They're like, wow, it's so great. I could walk everywhere. There was cafes and, 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 you know, we take plane trips halfway around the world just to experience that. And I think some people want that a little closer to home. Sure. So last question before we get to the five wire, Daniel, are you optimistic about the, the future for, for renters and, and people generally that are looking for affordable housing here in Vancouver? I think there's there's some there's some cause for optimism. I'm things are really expensive right now and I guess the cause for optimism is that everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And the cause for optimism is that we can actually all get together and um, decide decide what we want to see, which I think is again more urban housing. Um, more fairness in the real estate market and um, not just shutting people out by zoning for for mansions. 
Well, at least we've been doing this a year and a half, and it, in our experience, it seems like the call for density and, and your guys' kind of push here is is becoming louder, at least at least in from where I stand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we usually end the program on a little bit of a lighter note with uh, five questions. We call it the the, the five V-Rep wire. Five wire. Yeah, so you you good for that? I'm good. Um, I'm not sure what's what's coming. No, no, it's not as drastic as you. Think. We're going to throw you a, a huge curveball at the end, though. I promise. So, so uh, your favorite neighborhood to spend time in Vancouver? Oh man, um, I live in Mount Pleasant now, and I, I like it a lot. So, um, with with all due respect to to the rest of them, I think I like Mount Pleasant. And you grew up, I guess, in Mount Well, Close. right on the fringe of Mount Pleasant there. Yeah, and also in Cedar Cottage. Um, but but yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Born You're, and raised in East Vancouver. Very few can say that. Yeah. Well, born, born in Toronto, I have to admit, but, okay. but, um, but was raised there, yeah. So you can't quite say that either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so favorite bar or restaurant? Oh, um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Uncle Abe's. Uncle Abe's. Where exactly is Uncle yeah, Abe's? Uncle Abe's. Uncle Abe's. Uh, 14th and Main. It's just a little, oh, just a little hole in the wall. Um, you can buy falafels from the place next door and, and, and bring them into Uncle Abe's. And Matt and I are I'm showing our age here. You're showing our age, but also I know where I'm going for lunch. Uh, where's the first place you bring uh, somebody from out of town? I like. I guess I like to bring people to Queen Elizabeth Park and and Stanley Park. You know, if they haven't been here before, those are those places. As, as much as they're tourist traps for a reason, they're just spectacular. Yeah, they're extraordinary. Places. Yeah, for sure. So, fifteen percent foreign buyers tax, yay or nay? Oh, um, <laughs> and that's not I, the curveball. We're keeping I, it light here. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I could go either way on that one. Um, I slight yay, slight yay. Okay, see if you can go either way on this one. Celine Dion in Las Vegas or an intimate concert in her native town of Charlemagne. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Charlemagne. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> no question about it. No question. That that was not no thought, eh? No thought. <laughs> Straight to Charlemagne. Uh, excellent. Well, hey, how can people find out more about Abundant Housing Vancouver and uh, if they want to get in touch with you as well, Daniel? Um, you can go to www.abundanthousing.com. Although I guess you just Google it these days, and um, you sign up for a mailing list where we. We um, send out messages about walking tours and rezoning hearings that uh, if, if people want to see more housing, they they um, can find out about good projects on our mailing list. Well, hey, uh, we all really appreciate the work that you guys are doing, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, Daniel. Right, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, take, take care. care. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Daniel Alexiak from Abundant Housing Vancouver. Super interesting interview with Daniel. Uh, pleasure having him on the show. Tons of information. There. Tons of information there. You know, there's a few things that are, are so exciting about guys like Daniel. One is that he's taken uh, an issue that he cares deeply about. And he's actually getting engaged. It's always awesome to see people that are just right. active in terms and of he's civics. A, he's a lawyer too. He's a practicing yeah, lawyer. I mean, he's got so a full-time he's a job. Guy. This is, this is just a, uh, you know, he believes in it and it's, so it's so fantastic talking to guys like that. I mean, the one takeaway for me, uh, apart from just the general kind of wealth of, of information he gave there is this idea that neighborhoods aren't static. So anybody that's talking about 
neighborhoods. We want our neighborhood to stay the same. You know, he makes a point that the last 10 years in Vancouver has changed every neighborhood so drastically. So whether or not it looks identical to the way it did 10 years ago, um, you know, you can't go back. Absolutely. And there are ways to work within and maintain the character of a neighborhood while still increasing density and, and increasing affordability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Anyway, uh, what else do we got for people? Well, we should definitely tell you to go check out our website because there's been some excellent feedback yeah, on the website. Yeah, sure. VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. So check that out and sign we got up the for the V-Rep Livewire. Yeah, sign up for that. And um, Matt, how can people get in touch with you? Give me a call anytime, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah, and Adam, and, and for anybody else who's listening, you got to check out S-Town. S-Town, yeah. And I mean, honestly, I've never heard a, another podcast pumped up so hard on, on a podcast, it's, our podcast. Is that what we're doing now? Hey, we're in the business of making compelling radio, well, right? Well, maybe, we uh, maybe we should just start heading that direction. Here's a teaser for next week. Next week on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Hi, this is Matt. I know where your jacket and shoes are. Shoes and jacket? From the Aquatic Center? Wait, who's this? Oh man, I can't believe they opened that cold case file. <laughs> In other news, we got Todd Talbot from Love It or List of Vancouver coming up next week. I'm super excited. We've never had a real life celebrity on this show. I've got to lose 10 pounds. We only got seven days. I can make it happen. Take care, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join. 
type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in VRP 2020.